Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. This week, Shabbos, Pashas Dvarim. We begin, embark on the new book, the new Sefer, Sefer HaChamishi, also known as Mishnah Torah. This will dedicate to those in the Fuz Yeshua's to the Shalom Rabbi Yeshua. Shabbos Devarim, the Haftera is always Chazayin Yishayahu Ben Resulting of which, Shabbos Devarim is always the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av. People hearing this, I hope you don't get shocked and say, Oh no, next week's Tisha B'Av. I hope you knew that before. Today's Yishchidosh Menachemov, the only date Yorzeit mentioned in the Torah, the Yorzeit of Aharin HaKoyim. As we all know, when Aaron Akayim passed away, the Yidin mourned for 30 days. The entire nation wasn't a family group. <coughs> Somewhere, somehow, everybody was always, somebody got, had affected, had been affected by Aaron Akayim in a positive vein. And therefore, the entire nation mourned the passing of Aaron Akayim. We've had the Bishirim prior on Shredish Av, therefore I'm not going to go into Hespedim for Aaron Akayim. I'd like to discuss Shabbos Chazayin and of course Pasha Dvarim. We know, of course, I mentioned before, <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu sat down or stood, must have sat, from Rishchid Shvat, Shvat, and dictated the Chumash Devarim until the day he passed, Zayin Oder. 37 days later. And in the Parsha, Mesha goes over many happenings that transpired with Eden throughout the years in the desert, in the Midbar, recounts the many negative events that took place, most of which in the beginning of the parasha he hints, he implies, he only says a hint, the Dizahov, for example, talking about 
the Cheta Egon of Hazov, the sin of the golden calf, etc., etc., other wording that he uses, the Meshach Rabbeinu uses, in the beginning of the Parsha, implying the Avedis, insinuating the Avedis, that Yidin had transgressed over the 40 years. Therefore, I started giving the share. Yeah, call me now. I apologize. That was New Zealand. Amongst the Avedis, the Meshav mentions, I hope you're listening from at least the beginning of this year so you'll get your answer. Meshav talks about the Chetamaraglim, the sin of the spies. With the sin of the spies, Meshav tells the Eden that because of that, they were not allowed into Eretz Yisrael. Fine. Understanding. But then, Meisha has a very interesting statement. Gambi is Hanaf Hashem. At me too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was angry. And I too am not being allowed into Eretz Yisrael because of this. We all know, and we heard last week, of the sin of Memiriva, the sin of the waters, Meshirabinu, instead of talking to the stone, he hit the stone two weeks ago, he hits the stone, and because of that, he was not allowed into Israel. And yet, here he mentions, with the sin of the Miraglim, the sin of the spies, and because of that, he too is punished and not allowed into Eretz Yisrael. That's not a fact. What's ironic is that Rashi does not mention this. Rashi does not ask on this. But all the Mepharshim, Ramban, Kliyokar, Rechaim HaKadosh, They all grab onto this. And they all ask, this is not why he was not allowed into Eretz Yisrael. I'm going to just give you the gist that answers basically the question as how he implies that this was an Aveda of his own. And this was a reason why he did not go into Eretz Yisrael. We'll soon discuss the Yidin at Harsinai. The spiritual level that they reached whilst at Harsinai. This nation was a perfect nation and was ready to go into it. So we'll soon talk about it. Another. Mash'ein came 
once the meraglim, the sin of the chet meraglim, took place, this was a whole different nation. You're not going into Israel, this nation. They hit a rock bottom that they've never hit before. Almost reverting back to the time of Israel. Meshe Rabbeinu could have pulled them out of that. When Meshe Rabbeinu came before the stone, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, Daber el speak to the stone. Had he spoken to the stone, the stone would have given forth water. What would have happened? The greatest possible Kiddush Hashem. Everybody knows, Alpiteva, according to nature, you need to do something physically in order for something to happen. Here, by just talking, and the water would begin to flow, this would have sanctified Hashem's name, and would have re-upped the Yidden to this tremendous level And this would have forgiven them for the sin of Meragul. Because though he didn't do that, therefore he too was included already in the Chet Meragul of not entering into Israel. Let us understand quickly and briefly. Had Moshe entered Israel. It would have been a different land, a different world. Had Moshe built a Beis Hamidash, it would never be able to be destroyed. Which sounds great, but would have been a big problem. Because ultimately they didn't do sin. And because they sinned, Hashem had to take it out somewhere. And therefore, hence the destruction of the Beis Hamidash. Whereas, had they sinned Rahman al-Islam and not had had the base of English to be able to destroy it because it was built by Meshe Rabbeinu, how severe or what HaKadosh Baruch would have had to have done. So the Pasuk tells us, Hashem al-Kainu Dibir Elena B'Chedev HaKadosh Baruch spoke to us in Cherev, Lamer saying, Rav Lachem Sheves Bahar You're sitting here for a very long time. And this is something that Moshe Rabbeinu is recounting as Dina about to go into that show. He's reminding them that if not for the episode of the spies, as we just said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought them into Israel 39 years earlier. And Hashem, our God, spoke to us in Chayrev. Which is Har Sinai. And He said, your stay at this mountain has been plenty for you. 
Pnuzu, turn away and journey. Go in and possess the land God promised to your fathers. And Ashi explains what does your stay was plenty mean? And it can be understood literally. Not only you've been here enough time, it's really too much. It's excessive. God so strongly wanted to hasten B'nai Yisrael's arrival in Eretz Yisrael, in the Holy Land, that even staying by Hasinai was too much. They weren't wasting time there. The 11 months by Sinai, as we said, far from wasted. Not only did they receive the Teda, and they grew in their knowledge and understanding of all the precepts of the Teda throughout the 11 months, just residing on the footsteps, and the footsteps of this mountain, was a constant reminder to them of the divine revelation that they had witnessed there. But nevertheless, God said, no. I'd rather you're in it so. <coughs> here we understand what extent to which the tailor demands person needs to constantly advance and grow in the service of God. Let I turn this off. Your stay was plenty. But no matter how admirable your current spiritual state is, a Jew cannot stay put. A Jew staying put is unnecessary and undesirable. Even the slightest pause of growth is already too much. So what we said now was Drashi is telling us your stay at the mountain was plenty you grew so great in Beruchnias spiritually how much B'nai Yisrael accumulated at Hasinai and therefore Kashbarach is telling them complimentarily, your residing here at this mountain brought you significant greatness and reward. Look, you built the Mishkan, the Meneda, and all the things that belong in the Mishkan. You received the Teda, you have a Sanhedrin. So much you've done here, so much you've accomplished the 11 months here. Time to move on.
This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's message. Tidin. Rav Luchim Shevis. And this explanation, indeed, adds as well the simple meaning of the phrase. HaKadosh Baruch regarded B'nai Yisrael's continued stay at the mountain. He regarded it as excessive. Rav Luchim. He was eager for them to advance to the promised land, as we said before. Unlike other nations, which get formed when a group of people take possession of a particular territory and inhabit it, and they call themselves Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Palestine, our country, and we are Palestinians. But the Jews are not like that. As a matter of fact, they're not at all like that. <coughs> the Yidden became Am Kodesh. A holy nation. This tells us back by Matan Teda. HaKadosh Baruch refers to them now as Am Kodesh. And HaKadosh Baruch wanted to reward the nation for becoming an Am Kodesh to the Eretz Kodesh, Eretz HaKadosha. To take this holy nation and put them in the holy land. And this HaKadosh Baruch therefore says, Rav Plenty already. You amassed enough by Hasinai. This directly led to Kaddish Baruch Hu's eagerness to bring them into Eretz Yisrael. And that's why it says, Ravlachem Shevez, immediately it says, Come immediately and inherit the land. It doesn't say, Come battle, come fight, come conquer. Come into the land. What does that mean? It means simply, no one is going to stay in, stand in your way. No one is going to contest the matter. You don't need a mechama. The words of Medrash Tachuma, HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose the land of Eretz Yisrael as His holy land, and the Bnei Yisrael as His holy nation. And He said, what more befitting is it that my holy nation should be in my holy land? So therefore, when they established themselves as a holy nation, Am Kodesh, by Har Sinai, it was Ram Lechem. You've now achieved the schus, the merit, to be able to enter into Eretz the Holy Land. And not just enter, just walk in. Easily take possession. Unfortunately, We punted the ball away. And by punting the ball away, we know the story of the 40 years in the Midbar. And ultimately, in order to go into Israel, it took seven long years of battle and seven long years of division.
The Moshe goes on and he says, Meisha began to explain this Teda, and Rashi says, Be'er is not an aspirin, Be'er means Veshivim Lashon. Meisha explains to the Yidin now, after 40 years of the desert, all that happened, all that you're now prepared for, and now he explains it in 70 languages. Why Bshivim Lashon? And why at this point did he decide to translate 70 languages? But they saw were about to begin their conquest of Eretz Canaan. A process that would involve, seven, as we said before, seven years battle and seven years of dividing. And settling in. But yet, at this phase, prior to entering, Meshach decides to teach the Yid and the Tera in 70 languages. Because by translating the Tera, Meshach was carrying out a very crucial component in B'nai Yisrael's conquest of the land. This land that was occupied by the seven nations... And they stemmed from the 70, the 70 nations. Everything in this physical world has a spiritual source, down to the blade of grass, down to the leaf that fell off a tree. Nothing in the world can possibly exist without its spiritual connection above. Namely, of course, the Ruach Tara, the Ruach HaKedish, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu plants in the world. And therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu recreates the world on a constant basis. Thereby, See to it, the world constantly exists. So there's nothing physical that doesn't have a spiritual, not counterpart, source. So in order for something physical to change, the spiritual part needs to change first. So we said before that according to Kabbalah, the seven nations that occupied the land of Canaan represented the 70 original nations of humanity and contained their spiritual course, source. So Moshe's translation of the language of the Tate in 70 languages breached the language barrier between the Yidden and, and all the 70 nations, thereby making a spiritual victory 
fatera over any opposition it faced from the other nations of the world. And only once that Mesha had achieved a spiritual victory over the nations, B'nai Yisrael was able to succeed physically defeating them. We see it similarly when the Eden left Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim, they say, Achareihem, it says. They saw the Tsar of Egypt, the angel of Mitzrayim, also being brought down from heaven and being brought to their feet. And this is how the Eden conquered Mitzrayim, not just from the worldly perspective, but even from the, the realm of above. The worldly perspective, one thinks sometimes of our own existence, how we exist in the world. We grow up, a society grows up actually, and you'll find children from different walks of life experience different forms of education. One of the most powerful forms of education is the story. And especially if the story is written in a song. This will always remain with the child. And we see, and this is known as Girsi the Yankas as well, the stories that children are told as children takes forms, different behavioral habits, different ways they conduct themselves, the way they feel about themselves, which is why the Rebbe says the children shouldn't have non-kosher animals, stuffed animals, and shouldn't be read stories of three little pigs. I don't know if you can change it to three little ducks, I don't know how the story is going to work. But avoiding exposing the children to these elements and thereby purifying the mind of the children. So, growing up listening to Chsidish Amaisis, obviously makes a direct effect on children, it makes a ration on the children share with you a few stories, one such when the Alter Rebbe once came to the Mizrach Magid and he knocked on the door and the Magid said, who's there? and he says, it's Benich it's I and he came inside and the Magid spoke to him for a while then the Magid said, do me a favor 
I want you to travel to this and this village, please. Okay. Al-Tarebbe asked no questions. He went to the Mag- he went to the village. And lo and behold, that morning, there was a bris. You don't walk away from a bris. The Ornav is there. So Al-Tarebbe stayed. And the Balbris asked everyone to sit down to the meal. Again, you can't walk away from a Suda's Mitzvah. So Al-Tarebbe sat down. During the Suda, a very valuable spoon, gold, silver, whatever it was, disappeared. It got lost. And it was decided that somebody took it. And they looked around, they know everybody here except for this one stranger, Al Trebe. So they immediately grabbed him and said, Give back the spoon. He said, I didn't take the spoon. He said, You took the spoon. He said, It was not I. It's not me. It's not, I didn't, I don't have it. It's not me. I don't, it's not I. It's not. It really is not me that took it. It's not me. Finally, they found the spoon. They apologized. They went back to the Magid. And the Magid asked him, So tell me, how many times did you say it's not I? When you knocked at my door, you said, I am here. I is only Akadosh Baruch Hu. Ani Hashem Alekechem. Person is not an I. And therefore, in order to nullify what you had done by saying, it is I, I sent you to this town, to counter it with all the not eyes. But we see how we need to listen to the words of a tzaddik. My Shalom, as Yad said, was last week, was a chaser of the Meshav Chaktiv. I might be wrong. It was definitely a charity of a chassid. It might not have been a dovemesh anymore. Or yet, whatever. And one day a chassid came to the dovemesh and told him, Rabbi, I'm going to be very, very, very wealthy. He said, really? He says, yep. There's a forest. A galach is selling his forest. A priest. It's amazing trees, and everybody had checked it, everybody knows about it. He's selling it for dirt cheap. And I'm going to turn over tremendous amounts of money. The Rebbe probably stroked his beard first and said, If you want my advice, quite finished. So, whatever, everybody, all experts, everybody told me to buy it. Well, Chassid went home. And the money was itching in his pocket. Especially the money that's going to come into his pocket was really making a hole. He said, I'm sorry, Rebbe. I'll give you a big stock of it. Don't worry about it. You'll be really happy when I get this finished. And he bought the forest. He bought the forest and he started to fell the trees and every tree was full, full, infested. Worthless. 
you couldn't use it for toothpicks. The fellow never closed all his money. Now, he not only lost his money, he lost his dignity. He lost his Rebbe. How can I face the Rebbe again? I'm sure the Rebbe knows exactly what happened here. And the proof is that Rebbe told me not to buy it. Months went by, years, and he couldn't take it anymore. It's not enough, I'm poverty stricken. I lost all my money. I was losing my Rebbe also. So he came to the Rebbe to apologize. And he says, Rebbe, I'm sorry. I didn't listen to the Rebbe's Ruch and I bought the forest anyway. So he said, what Ruch HaKedosh? The Rebbe told me not to buy. <laughs> so of course I told you not to buy. Because when you told me how rich you're going to become and you're going to buy this and you're going to have this and you're going to cut it and you're going to sell it, not once did you say, Miyatz Hashem, God's help, God willing. So I automatically knew this is not the right thing. Something's amiss, something's wrong. So I told you not to buy it. The fact that there was something taka wrong, it's nothing to do with my Ruch HaKedosh. One more such story of obedience, of not necessarily a Rebbe, this is Elia, Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim. And this man was telling him one day, how wealthy he is. Not just wealthy. Very wealthy. Not very wealthy, extremely wealthy. So wealthy is he that come what may, he can never not be wealthy. He had everything invested in maces and monies and in this business and that business. He had all different businesses. This goes to bust. That comes up. This goes up. He's covered for life. The value says to him, how this book runs the world, not you? How can you say such a thing out of your mouth here? There's a galgal, a wheel of fortune. And the galgal goes and turns and the person sometimes on top. And the same person can be on the bottom soon. How could you even think that you're rich forever? Lo and behold, a few months later, maybe years, once again the man meets Rebellia. Asking him for alms. Asking for tzedakah. Well, he looks at him. Said, "Weren't you so wealthy?" I, he says. One of the things I owned was a bridge. It was a very profitable bridge. People had to pay to go across. And one time, the emperor had to transport. I don't know what. And there were tons of wagons and horses and people. 
and the bridge could not stay under that weight. And the bridge collapsed, people died, things were destroyed, property was lost. I knew I better get out of here. I know if I don't get out of here, I'm going to be in a big trouble. So I ran home, and I grabbed all my deeds and documents for my money, stuffed it into a pack, into a release, took a few things in my garments, and I booked. And I went over the border, out of the governor's, out of the governing area of the czar, the person that ruled this place, that was just, took such a loss because of me. And when I came to a safe place, to a haven, I said, okay, now let me try to cash in my shtaras here, my contracts, my deeds, so I'll have what to live off for the rest of my life. But when I opened the satchel, and I started to check through the deeds I took, the papers that I had, they were worthless. They were garbage. I took the wrong papers. And therefore, I was totally wiped out. And this is how we need to know, we need to remember, we need to understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. We don't have a say in the matter, we don't have control over it. It's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to be. And therefore, as we now begin Chumash HaChamishi, as we now begin to learn the Mishnah Teira, let us understand how important, how relevant, how connected this Chumash is to us, even more so than the first four. As we said before, Meish Rabbeinu on Ishkidish Shvat began to dictate Chumash Devarim and did so for 37 days until Zion Adar. Therefore, this Mishnah Teira is words of repetition that Moshe himself is saying. Mm-hmm. So although this is different than the others, transmitted to us differently, but Moshe still spoke it's a book that Mesha spoke in his own name, but Mr. Grene from his throat came the words of Hashem. As we see, if you give his score at home, the Gemara in Megillah, Lamar Allah from the Basin, Tesis.
which teaches us that the first four svarim the first four chumashim are svarim are th- things that are said by a Baruch Hu, things that were said by the Abishnah himself and the fifth is from Moshe. So Moshe was a messenger for the first four. And the fifth one, Moshe says, through our Kaddish Baruch as well, but on his own. Tata is the map, is the ingredients, is the recipe book of our life and our existence. However, the words spoken by Kaddish Baruch Hu who is ain't safe, who is infinite, immortal, would be beyond our grasp. Us finite creations, us mortal beings, would never be able to actually grasp anything in this data. This is the very divine wisdom, the very same divine wisdom which came down and created the actual being of the world. What does Chumash Devarim do for us? Chumash Devarim is like a bridge. Although HaKadosh Baruch communicated his words to Moshe in a manner that it could be internalized forever. And then Moshe took it and spoke in his own name. And thereby conveying the divine wisdom that his mind had perceived. Remember again that Moshe spoke to HaKadosh Baruch Hu often time. <coughs> HaKadosh Baruch Hu went, went in the Maila was above for 40 days and 40 nights. Therefore, he was able to funnel Tata into the human, that it should become graspable by the human mind. And that's why Chumash Devarim is called Mishnah Tata. Repetition of Tata. It's a review of the previous four books. And because the Varam has this dual quality, 
which is being the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and yet descending into the realm of human comprehension, it therefore gives us the opportunity to be able to grasp, connect, and actually almost understand all other parts of the Teda as well. And since Mesha's role, actually, was to connect each and every Yid to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this became a reality through Torah study. Each and every Jew connected through Torah study. And therefore Mishnah Torah which is affiliated with Meish Rabbeinu himself, under his name, Meish spoke in his own name, still being the word, of course, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is therefore the bridge, as we said, that connects the Yid with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So regardless of the level of comprehension that a person may have or not have, the person was able to sift through, was able to connect because of the channel, the tunnel, the vessel presented by Chumash Dvarim. Irrelevant of what the person's status or level of understanding, comprehending through Chumash Devarim, people were able to ingest very word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, His divinity, sanctity, that never gets tainted, Chasashon, or diminished. We find ourselves now in the Bainam Tzarim. Bainam Tzarim are the weeks as we have spoken between Shiva Asavatamuz and Tishabov. <laughs> Therefore, someone turned the sauna on outside. I guess it's very hot out there. That'll make a problem for Mincha. Yishalmi, the mother Yishalmi, give his girl home brachas, perigzayin alach beiz, bol adiachem shein evil v'shabes. Come to tell you, to teach you, there is no such thing as mourning Rechman al-Tzlan on Shabbos. During these days of Ben Amitzadim, we, we mourn. We don't cut our hair. We don't listen to music. During the nine days, we don't wash our clothing. We don't take showers. Unless there's a, a sauna outside, I guess. Just please discuss with your local authority. I'm just telling you 
what it says in Shulchan Aruch. And the reason for our mourning, of course, is to rectify the ways and to prepare for the for the redemption. But on Shabbos, you're never allowed to mourn. There's no avilus on Shabbos. And therefore, this very Shabbos of Bein Amitzadim, which is during the three weeks, we're not allowed to behave with any kind of avilus. You can make a Shekhyano actually, but that's not necessarily avilus. You just don't eat anything that's Shekhyano. And now the Rabbah, we need to be besimcha. More so, on this Shabbosim, we have to add simcha gedela more than the entire year. Shouldn't be any suspicion of avelus benam tzarim diminishing chasvisholim the simcha of Shabbos. Boy, can I get in trouble by saying that? How many people? Sing the Chadeli to the tune of Kelitian. Or Kelodin to the tune of Echa. The Rebbe says, the name of the Munkacha, Mishinichmas of Mimait and Besimchat says. When Ov comes in, we minimize in Simcha. The Rebbe says, you're putting the accent on the wrong syllable. Mishanichmas Ov. When Ov comes in, Mimaitin. We need to minimize all our problems and all our issues and all everything. How? Besimcha. It's wiped away Besimcha. And actually, we spoke in prior Shurim, how Erev Rishchidosh Ov is the happiest day of the year. Because we know it said, Mishinichnas Adar Marben B'Simcha. When Adar began, we started to multiply and add our Simcha. But it doesn't say that only when Shinichnas Ov, only the first day of Ov, of Adar, once other starts, we have to keep adding, multiplying Simcha. And that doesn't say anything different. We don't get any kind of uh, stop order on that, as we say. Until season. Mishinichnus of. By Mishinichlis Av, it says, Mimaitin Besimcha. But from Reshchedish Adar until today, we were Marbin Besimcha on every single day, every day, on a daily basis, we kept adding Simcha. And therefore, the Simcha was being added day after day. And on Arab Reshchedish Adar, we've reached the highest possible level of Simcha. Obviously we don't jump from one day to the next 
from the extreme highest level of simcha to all of a sudden jump off the train and Hashem become totally depressed. When a person is in such a height of joy, it carries over automatically. You've been adding every day simcha, so obviously the simcha is going to continue to add today and tomorrow and yesterday. Yesterday is the mystery. Yesterday is the history. Tomorrow is the mystery. And today is a gift, and that's why it's called the present. We're taking yesterday's history, and it bridges, it carries over to today. And therefore, we are still in a tremendous elated level of simcha. So even though the nine days come about, how far down can you take it off the high, high horse that it was on Erev Rishchidosh? So therefore we say when we must be very careful not to diminish Simcha and Shabbos and the Benam Tzadim, We need to eliminate even a suspicion of Avedas. Not that we must be the Simcha Dafka in this Shabbos. Teres Chassidus reveals to us the connection of the essence of these Shabboses to the Shlila, to the pushing away exclusion of pain, mourning, only extra simcha. Shabbos in general, Yem Shabbos, Yem Shikul Shabbos, Menucha Lakai Elamim, we wait, we anticipate the day of Shabbos, the ultimate Shabbos, which is Yem Shikul Shabbos, the Gemara, Tamid, Lamid Gimel, Lamid Beis, Keep his score at home. Shabbos referred to in the time of Mashiach is referred to as Yom Shekule Shabbos. So therefore, after the time of the Gula, there will remain not a remnant of our Golas, of our exile, of this bitter exile. And therefore, on Shabbos, the same has to be similar to the Asad Lovey, similar to the future. There's no place to, God forbid, make any kind of sign that it's Bein HaMitzadim. And this is therefore the Tam Pnimi for the Easter of Avelis on Shabbos. So the Tam Pnimi that we have for the extra Simcha on the Shabbosim is bound with the Mahus Amitas with the true essence of how we are in Golos. As we sit in Golos and we are anticipating 
with great anticipation the coming of Mashiach and the redemption the ultimate redemption the intention does not only play after Golis to get out of the servitude and to come to the idea to come into the level to come into the situation of Geula but rather the Geula will have at that time no remnants of any kind of goals. The mushal that's always given, and we keep me score at home, we give on Shabbos, Lamar Allah from the days. Destroying something in order on condition to rebuild. When a person takes down their house, they want to rebuild it to a new home. They don't want the house to look like the house they had before. They obviously want a nicer house. They actually, they, actually, they, they obviously want a bigger house. They want harchava. They want new, clean. New ornaments, beautiful things. Whereas, if they take down their house, They don't want to be in the same mess, in the same rut. But they're building, taking it down for good news. They're going to build something new. They're going to have a new house. And by having a new house, life will be that much better. Life will be that much more beautiful. Life will be enhanced. The lifestyle will be so much greater. And each redemption, so much more so, when it comes to the Geula Mitzvah Vashlema, and we come into Yerushalayim Irakadish with Mashiach Tzidkenu, How much more so? The golos, the gula, golos, is definitely clear to us that this is the way and this is what we are looking for. And therefore, these Shabbosim, we need to stay with Simcha until the halacha says that the uh, Kevea 
it's mutas to establish that even Tishbev itself it comes out on Shabbos. Sudashtay beautiful meals, and when we talk of merit, and Shabbos, and Shabbos, and even on Tisha Bavari.